You're tuning in to another episode of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast with Jamie Anstey. And my guest has played a total of 501 NHL hockey games. Played with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Winnipeg Jets, Toronto Maple Leafs, and a few others. And also played with the Dixie Beehives in his junior days in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. The pride of Seaforth, Ontario. Dave McElwain. Dave, thanks for joining me on another episode of the OI. How are things in Ontario at the moment? Oh, we're a little confused up here. One day we're in, one day we're out. One day you can do this, one day you can't do that. So we're uh, a lot of jokes going around that. I know it's not a joke, but uh, I think things get a little confusing. I'm sure like uh, like every province is. Are you still able to play hockey? I know we've, we've talked off air about you uh, playing yeah. hockey are you, are you able to join a group of 20 guys like i know here in halifax the numbers are a lot lower uh, case wise but i'm out three times a week with 20 of my friends playing shinny there's organized adult league once a once a week that'll slowly um stop here in about a week or two but are you still able to go out and play hockey like i know you've done well, a- um we were up till uh maybe couple months ago they locked things down at christmas time i moved out of uh, i lived in toronto most of the time but moved back to the lake in grand bend where i have a place and things were a little obviously safer here and we our arenas were open right up to christmas and then they closed everything down then they opened up and then they decided to shut everything down a couple weeks ago so it's a little bit confusing and then arenas just decided to take the the ice out around here um it was a great winter around here because we had some outdoor rinks that we could use and uh, a buddy converted his tennis court into a rink with nets around and we could play a little three on three so we did what we could Uh, but uh, Ontario shut everything down a few weeks ago yeah I I have a friend in uh, the Halton Hills area he's actually a good friend of mine he's he hops on once in a while we we talk uh, hockey he's he's in the Halton Hills area of Ontario the numbers are crazy, 4,000, yeah. 5,000. And it's it's hard for us. Like, I talk to my friends every day, and we, we're very grateful to play hockey, but never forget the people in Ontario all the way to B.C. Like, I've got friends from B.C. to, to St. John, Newfoundland. Yeah. Um, Terry Ryan yeah. Terry Ryan even mentioned St. John's is a bit, a bit hectic at times. And um, like I mentioned, Ontario and... Um, Quinn is in the Langley, B.C. area, um, and there's actually a few alumni in that area, too, that I've spoken to, like Jason Bodolin's been on the show, and he's yeah. he's addressed his concerns and um, all that stuff, but it's it's a different it's a different uh, way of different life. Time, time. Yeah, different yeah. times, right, uh, and different uh, way of life all across Canada, so it's, it's really tough for me to really go out and enjoy a game of shinny when um, you know, my friends from St. John's to Vancouver aren't playing. So that's kind of how I feel right now, even though we've got, you know, probably 30 or 40 cases. Um, and right now in northern New Brunswick, it's just a, it's a crap show, man. It's just, it's. Yeah. Hey, I guess you never know. Each situation is, is different. And we felt fortunate being back a couple hours from Toronto and our, and our stuff was open. So it was going by different uh, jurisdictions, counties that, we're able to do more than other. There were some hot spots, and obviously things are a little 
a little hectic around Toronto with the different areas that are, are closed down, but now they just decided, uh, you know, shut the whole province down. Sometimes I agree, don't agree, but uh, everyone's got to do what they think is best for them and get everyone on board. I think everyone wants to get out of this uh, one way or another. No, 100%. I, I enjoy talking hockey with the alumni, but I also like to get your opinion on how you feel we're in whatever area you're in, say Ontario, BC. And yeah. it's interesting to get your take on the situation. I know we've had Theron Fleury on, and uh, he's addressed his opinions about the Alberta government and um, the vaccine. But it's it's also, yeah, it's cool to talk about hockey with NHL alumni, but it's also cool to get their take on how it is right now in, in their province because this is a pandemic. Like, this is something yeah, people I mean, need to talk about to get through it. And it's, yes, it's for sure. Yeah. I think I'm on a bit of a roller coaster. Some days I'm all in and it's, yeah. it's, uh, gets confusing sometimes listening to all the news. You want to believe everything they say, but are they telling you the truth? Are the numbers where they are? Why is certain things open? Certain things aren't one day it's closed two days later, they open it. Then they close it all four days later. I just think it's a lot of mixed messages that make people start doubting. Uh, what's going on. Yes, I agree. There is issues. 100%. Yeah, there is a pandemic and it's a it's a roller coaster ride like and then all of a sudden it's are the vaccines safe? You know, you're trying to do your homework. Is it the best way? Yeah, you're you get it. It's a it is a flu. I understand it's a serious flu. It's contagious. Um, We've all been through flus. You feel terrible after you get them and it affects some people more than others, just like a lot of other flus do. Um, every individual reacts different to different flus that have gone around dur- during the years. Um, this is obviously a little, a little more serious, I guess. But um, like I said, it's, it's the mixed messages that make it more confusing where I think people buy in and they don't buy in. It's like, what is, are they able to tell us everything? Are they being straight up with us? And that's kind of where I think people start doubting what's going on. It's it's like I mentioned. It's it's different all across the all across Canada. Governments are all different, so we can we can be here all day beating the same dead horse. But at the end of the day, Dave, it's about the government. Like I'll give you an example. Um, one day we hopped right to eighteen cases. The, uh, the premier said shut her down for a month. We're in the middle of junior. Uh, we're we're winding down our junior season, short season. I don't even know what yeah. what it was. We were playing hockey. That's all I can really tell you. What it was, I can't really tell you. But he he goes on to say, well, we're going to shut it down for a month. So our junior season was over. A week goes by, the eighteen cases go down. Oh, start start up start up hockey again. All right, so we're trying to find the players. Like, okay, did the guys go back to BC? Like, we've got imports. We're it, we're like, yeah. it's a, it was a shit show and we're like where's all the okay let's get all the guys together and let's start so anyways we're two weeks trying to prepare for a, a playoff series so they just kiboshed the whole regular season and they said let's just go into a playoff okay so we ended up playing the a team that wasn't wasn't really built for the playoffs we had two weeks to prepare um lost two games straight in the playoff and it was just an absolute crapshoot and it's really unfortunate like we'll, we'll get into this later on how um unfortunate it was for the 19 year old 20 year olds it sure. was a, it, I, I it was their last junior year 
And I, I don't know if you have kids or if you have friends that have kids that are affected by um, no OHL right now in Ontario or no OJHL, which they just canceled the season yesterday. But um, let's let's get into your your hockey career. Where did it, where did it all start, Dave? I know we could talk about COVID for an hour, two hours, yeah, and I get uh, exhausted. I get I yeah. talk with different people every day. It's like okay, this is. This is enough. It's not ending. It's like you said, unfortunate for very many kids, whether it's hockey, whether it's kids in school, every, I think it affects every kid differently, but it just affects everybody. There's no one kid that I think can say, you know, this is great. Yeah. I haven't seen my friends. I haven't done it. Like there's, there's no winning here for any kid. And I feel terrible for kids that maybe missed two years of fine junior. I'm relating to hockey, obviously, but there's other sports, other graduations. You could go on and on, but, uh, Anyway, we'll we'll get on to the, the hockey side and, and yeah, uh, because that's why I got you on, Dave. I want to talk about your yeah, hockey I'm career and the... so no, so no, but uh... no, I, I grew up in a small town. Uh, I guess it's that starts with a lot of hockey guys. I grew up in a small town, so and what we did was hockey. I fell in love with hockey very early age. Um, grew up in Seaforth, small town of maybe twenty one hundred people. Uh, our West of uh, Kitchener, kind of north of London. Um, it was always hockey in our area. And just, you know, my dad played, followed him to the rink. The rink was be about a block away. The arena manager let us go on the ice whenever we want. I think that was the the great thing about growing up in a small town. If there was no one on the ice, the arena managers, yeah, go ahead. Uh, there was, they weren't awesome. worried about, you know, rules, regulations, though, they, we could get hurt. We could get sued. It was like helmets, no helmets, skates, no skates, whatever. We were running, playing, whatever. I just loved it. Um, many situations, you know, I could go on and on about the, the small town. I just, I remember many nights my dad uh, was playing senior intermediate hockey in C4. They would play, but they would stay in the dressing room after for an hour or two, having a few a few beer talking, but that's when the ice was usually done. The, the arena was over and the lights were off, but we could be out there fooling around on our, whether it was on our shoes or whatever, but you always had a stick in your hand and just playing, playing hockey and learning and just having fun at it. Not really thinking too much what was going on or how serious it was going to be, or we just never, never had any pressures of, of uh, the big cities, I guess you could say it. And, and obviously hockey is different growing up now than than uh when i did that's obvious i i believe now it's, there's a lot of politics there's i know covid has kind of dampened a lot of uh games and stuff kids don't like going to practices right now where the numbers are limited or or they yeah. were kids only could practice with 10 or 20 players yeah for sure and but I they wanted to but, but they wanted to go and play with their friends they wanted to compete against the other team and compete yeah. against their their friends and that's what yeah. they got up at five o'clock for but yeah. when you when you say to uh, timmy you say timmy it's time to go to practice i i don't really want to go to practice dad i, I miss playing with my friends right so yeah. no, it, it's that. unfortunate but uh, it's a different time now in regards to just being able to hop on the ice. Look at look at Wayne Gretzky and Walter. He had him out on the patch of ice, and Wendell Clark had his own little burn in in uh, Saskatchewan. So he was fortunate that way. It's but you're absolutely right, Dave. Nowadays, just it's tough to get ice. It's just tough to. 
uh, spend eight, ten hours on a on an ice service just because of the times and. Yeah, well, um, I think it's like the pressures of before COVID. There was always seemed that the hockey started to get more pressure on the kids to play and and everyone had this dream, too, and yeah. which is great. Every kid has to have a dream. I love that. Um, and you know, we grew up. There was no AAA in our area. Now, like the small towns, go to different yeah. areas to play the AAA. Uh, I think it, it's great if you can do it. Um, it. It's different. That's the way it is now. And, um, my nephews played it. My son doesn't play hockey. So I could see through them that that pressure to, but I know they enjoyed it too. So, um, and then you get the COVID involved now. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. I see my nephew trying to get drafted, but never was able to get to a camp or, you know, hopefully next year it does, but it, it's lost year for everybody. And, um, it's it's just unfortunate. I I gotta ask, hockey DB is a wonderful thing. So the NHL alumni can't lie and and say, "Well, I scored uh, seventy five goals." Well, let me check. Um, yeah. How did you end up on this? I just I have to ask because this team name is just uh, out of this world. The Dixie Beehives. Okay, that's... Uh, how did you end up on the Dixie Beehives? I, it's just a cool name to say. I had to, I have to ask Dave, how did you end up on the Dixie Beehives? Well, it was a, it was a junior B team near Toronto. Okay. And uh, that year, I was uh, out of junior. I wasn't drafted uh, to the OHL, but I got an invite to Kitchener. Yep. Um, ended up going there and making the team. I don't know, like partway through the year it was going okay but i don't know the coach decided to send me there for a weekend it was kind of an affiliate to the kitchener rangers okay um so he said we want you to go down and play a couple games went down and played a couple games and then went back to kitchener it was uh i guess it's kind of like getting sent to the minors uh went back played and and then uh, eventually the next year i got traded up to north bay and and kind of had, had good good stats when i got up there so I don't had, know if it was. You had Bert Templeton there too. I've heard great things about Bert, Temp Bert, Bert Templeton. Was, uh, Bert was a real hard ass. That's for sure. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I've heard. I've heard a lot about Bert Templeton. Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, Bert was actually it uh, was great for my career when I when I went up there. I was in Kitchener, played some some I in and out. Had okay stats for a non drafted player and. Uh, Bert said he was always trying to get me up there and, and he got up there and he played the crap out of me. And, uh, I got up there and, and did well. And, and Bert was a big reason for that. He, you know, put the confidence in me cause I'm coming out of a June mentioned double C playing junior, junior D in a small town, got oh, wow. to play major A the next year. So it was, a, it was a big jump. He instilled the confidence and just kind of, you know, within a couple of years, I was, you know, second in the OHL in scoring, played in the World Junior out of a non-drafted situation. So I have to give a lot of credit to Bert for that. He was tough. He was strict, but uh, he got the most out of the players he had. Not everyone's a fan of Bert Templeton, and uh, I understand why. He was old school and you know even when i got up there i heard the stories when when he was in uh, niagara falls coaching and some of the the crap that went on in junior hockey mm. was just you know people today it's it's hard to fathom that uh, that, that actually went on i'm i'm surprised about this player here um but in junior everyone seems like they're at the top either they got 300 penalty minutes with 100 points look at terry ryan good friend of mine um 
just chucked the knuckles in the NHL, but tore it up in uh, in the Western Hockey League. Nick Nick Kiprios, ninety-seven points and one hundred and twelve penalty minutes. How yeah, how well, was playing with how was playing with Nick Kiprios? We've had him on the show well, and Nick, uh, Nick was my uh, Nick was my winger. He, the so the first year I went up there, Nick did well, and then he was undrafted. Went to the OH uh, to yeah. the NHL in Washington, and then my last year. <clears throat> They sent him back from Hershey, so he was actually my left winger, and we we had a great season. Um, went to the finals. Uh, Nick could score, obviously, and uh, but his, his role kind of changed. He could score, but he could also he could also fight. Sometimes a guy gets to the to the NHL, and you kind of get pigeon pigeonholed into a certain role, even yeah. and not get the opportunity to, to play the other role that you're maybe better at. And uh, I was kind of the same situation. Went from a real offensive player and junior, but could play defense to going to Pittsburgh and learning the role of being like a shutdown third line. But it was always that confusing. Should I score? Should I, you know, you, you didn't know what, what role you were supposed to play. And I think guys get a chance to play the role they're used to later on and you can excel on. It's just getting a coach to believe in you and, and giving you that opportunity. But what was I going to go to Pittsburgh and take ice time away from Mario? No, I don't no. think that was going to happen. <laughs> they, so. they had Mario. They had a whole bunch of other players. Uh, but yeah. the, year, the year after, Dave, you, you led the team in scoring 119 points and Kipper was right behind you at 90. So, um, that must have been a great duo. Um, I'm not sure yeah, of your relationship with Kipper, but uh, we've had him on the show, and he's he's an amazing, amazing individual. And he um, must have been cool to play with Nick Kiprios in, in junior hockey. Well, it was like Nick was, you know, kind of undrafted. He he had a good name around the OHL, and and uh, but yeah, I, I see Nick. I skate with him the odd time in, in the city. I run into him in the alumni box quite a bit. Yeah, um, great relationship with him. Uh, it's. Unfortunately, he's built a great career out of out of, you know, getting into the uh, TV and um, being an analyst. Uh, you yeah. know, when he started in Sportsnet years back, when they were just a, a small station, I guess you could say. I remember talking to him at the Memorial Cup in London, and I, maybe yeah. it was five or something that mm. I came back from Europe and went and watched a few games, talked to him, and he's done very well. He's marked himself well, and uh, I. You know, not everybody you kind of like to watch or listen to when you're watching hockey, but Nick was always a guy that uh, I enjoyed watching. It's unfortunate that uh, whatever the reason didn't work out as Sportsnet, but great podcast, though. Yeah, I think he'll he'll rebound. But yeah, we had a great junior career, but both of us were never really high draft picks or expected to do great things, but brought the best out of us. I do want to ask. Uh, sorry, I do want to mention great accomplishment reaching 501 games. I I get asked this all the time. Why don't you get a Hall of Famer, a guy who played a thousand games? Like that's not really the angle that I'm kind of going for. Uh, yeah. Regards yeah. to getting alumni, like people say. People said the last few days, Dave McElwain. Who's Dave McElwain? Yeah, you only you only played two games or two years with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but NHL alumni or you know you get called to play in the Winter Classic, which we'll talk about here shortly. But great accomplishment, reaching five hundred and one goals. Tell me how did, 
were there more than one team? Um, I know you got drafted in '86 by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, but but there was was there other teams? Like, did you find Pittsburgh well, was the well, best no, fit, or was there other teams that maybe was, no, were looking I mean, at you? My my year, I was supposed to get drafted. I didn't get drafted. I was uh, oh, okay. in in Kitchener and just you know, most guys are already under the radar for a couple of years. I kind of went under the radar. Um, to get into junior, right. As an invite to major A and making the team isn't, isn't normal. Um, so then no one's really going to take a, a chance on you. So the next year I had, Bert was really pushing for me. Um, another guy, Doug Wood, uh, was, okay. was a scout for Pittsburgh. And that's why I was ended up going in a, in a later round. If I had those stats the year before, maybe I would have went in a higher round, but that's why it was uh, a nice round pit to Pittsburgh um, you know, I, I kind of flew under the radar. There wasn't the pressure. I, I never saw the pressure where some guys do as a first round, second rounder. Um, I got to do this guy. I just played, um, fortunate my last year to go play in the world junior that, uh, the famous punch up in Pia Stanley. Bert was our coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so then you get noticed there, obviously not the social media we have, uh, today, but we were, you know, it, it puts your name on the board. And, and uh, then the next year I went right to Kitchener. So I went from playing a junior D team, not drafted to the NHL within uh, a couple of years. So it's not the normal route, but everybody's got a story. First rounder, not drafted, ninth rounder, uh, whatever it may be. Um, everyone, there's different stories that um, evolved or guys get to the NHL and, and the 501 games. Yeah, I was, I was very fortunate. Um you know, every day was, you know, a, a blessing. It wasn't, I was the type of guy that was maybe third, fourth line guy. You get in a situation, I knew I could do it. I, I got into Winnipeg and was put in a third line, played a lot, killed penalties, um, was able to score. It's just getting that opportunity, I think, is, is all guys want. Um, some guys get more more of a leash out there than others, and you have to kind of find what, uh, what works with you and, and with a coach, I guess. Nowhere online, and like I mentioned earlier, Dave, we've had Theo Fleury, and I asked him two questions. I said, talk about the punch-up in Pistani. And nowhere online I've seen Dave McIlwain part of that. Now that you've brought it up, Dave, what's your version uh, on the punch-up in Pistani? Tell me me what you've seen and what you experienced. Well, I was was right at the... uh, edge of our bench um beside the beside the russians and uh the the five on five kind of got going out in the ice obviously we had some tough guys out there like mike keen and everett center pass and theo flurry and um yeah i saw their guys leave the bench and and bert and pat burns is actually a coach the trainers were trying to hold guys back but once the the two russian guys <laughs> left uh it was all over that's when you know Canadians are going to stick up for Canadians and they moved on and, and we just battled and, and helped each other. And so, uh, yeah, I guess I was one of those guys that went under the radar and that it was, it was the way, the way it was, you know, we had pretty good stats. I had a good line we contributed. Um, yeah. So it was a, a big part of, of my career. Great memories, great guys, always something that we can always look back on. So you play two seasons in Pittsburgh and we'll talk about the trade deadline, which just happened um, 
Monday there. Yeah. Did were you traded to Winnipeg or did you sign? How did you end up no, in Winnipeg? I was, like I was what? Traded, uh, you were traded, okay. In the at the okay. uh, at the draft, um, I remember getting a call and said, "You gone to?" I thought the world ended. I got traded to Winnipeg, but it ended up being great for uh, my career and went there. Played a lot. Uh, the first year I was in Pittsburgh. Second year I was up and down with their minor league team in, in Muskegon, Michigan. It was the IHL. We had a great team. Kevin Stevens came there after college. Mark Recky was there. We ended up winning it all that year. I had a uh, great season, great playoff. And uh, I guess, you know, obviously every NHL scout are watching those type of things. And Winnipeg saw a need for myself and we're looking for a trade and I was part of it it was actually Randy Cunningworth and Andrew McBain were the big guys that were supposed to be in that trade and um, Randy ended up being gone by Christmas time and and I ended up playing a lot of hockey there so it was it was good um, Winnipeg was uh, was a fun city I know people don't look at it like that but they're passionate the hockey fans it was a great place to, to play any Canadian city was what did Mario did Mar- did you take anything from playing with Mario? Did Mario give you any advice before going uh, well, to before going I, to Winnipeg? Um, Mario was young at the time, and uh, I was twenty. Mario is twenty two. He wasn't the most vocal guy, but uh, some guys lead by example. And, and as a young guy, I sat and watched, and you know, you pick up a lot of things, and and different leadership qualities from different guys, whether they were fourth line guys, whether they were the, 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 the stars of the team, everyone had a role in the team and different guys led in different ways. And I think you can grab different parts from different guys. And, and as you get more confident and I got to Toronto, even there was older guys and I was st- seemed like a young guy at 25. And then all of a sudden I went to Ottawa the next year. And I was one of the older guys at 26. So yeah, you get put in a leadership role, quicker or whatever and and every guy's in different situations some guys are captains at 22 um as i went older and and uh, in ottawa then ended up over in europe that it was definitely more of a leadership role and so, i guess getting back to that but i grabbed different things from different guys whether it was dougie gilmore uh led by on the ice didn't say a lot mike felino was a guy that talked a lot in the room led that way um, you know, Wendell was my age, but you can still see his, his leadership qualities were there. Wasn't a big talker, but you knew when Wendell went on the ice, he was leading. So it's you can grab bits and pieces from different guys and kind of what suits your personality is more what it's about. So if you notice in the background, I've got the, the Dale Harrowchuck print. Um, buddy of mine yeah. does the prints and we sell them off for Harrowchuck Strong. You had you had the t-shirt on, um, so you're a supporter of Harrowchuck Strong, as Absolutely. I as I as myself. Um, just talk about Dale. Like I got to drive Dale. You were here in Halifax, I believe. Um, the last time Heart and Stroke was doing their uh, hockey event, and I believe you and Dale were here at the same time. And just just talk about Dale as a as a person. Like I. Um, well, I can't say enough about him, but uh, yeah, just add your in, just add your input about um, how Dale maybe impacted you during your time in Winnipeg. Yeah, and and the picture you saw was uh, if you read the caption, I think it was on Instagram, but uh, yeah. he was one of my my favorite teammates. Um, Neil, Dale kind of went not unnoticed, but he, you know he's out there, he's playing behind Gretzky, the Oilers, and 
until you play with Dale, you can appreciate how good a player he is. Um, quality individual off the ice, uh, great player on the ice, obviously by his stats, but it's unfortunately just didn't get the, the notoriety or, or people were able to see him as much as I was being able to play with him and, and watch him every day. Um, maybe he wasn't a great skater, but man, he had, he had vision and, and hands like nobody. Um, if you talk to any NHL guy, as, as you cross paths with different guy, there's not one guy that's going to have one bad thing to say about Dale. Um, just a quality guy. Uh, he was great to me when I got there. I was, you know, I don't know, maybe five or six years younger than Dale, but uh, just Dale was a guy that when he spoke, he didn't speak a lot, but when he did, you kind of sat there in the dressing room and listen, he's another guy I go out in the ice and just led by example. And, uh, very consistent. Um, I think that's a big part of players is, is learning to be consistent day in, day out, practices, bring it to the games. Um, yes, not every game is going to be a guy's greatest game. That's just kind of how it goes. But um, it's able to get back on, on track quickly, and, and Dale was that type of guy. Um, you see now with uh, the charity stuff he had going before he passed, um, you know, they're continuing it on, which is great. It's, I think, uh, like I said, he's one of my favorite teammates. Uh, you learn a lot from him, just a character guy. He, he spent a, he spent a short time in the, uh, I, um, I wrote this down as a joke. You had a, you had a, uh, Long Island iced tea in, in, uh, New York, a Long Island. I just... Well, I had a shorter You uh, had uh, 54 games you played in the island, so you had a couple of uh, Long Island iced teas. But then you go to then you go to Buffalo. Did you think at that time your career was over? Like, I'm not bashing Buffalo, um, I'm, but I've talked to tons of guys, and they're like, oh, like, I'm going to Buffalo. Um, yeah. they, should, they shouldn't really think that way. It's still an NHL city. It's still, it's still an NHL town. Yeah. But... Um, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I actually went from Winnipeg. That year, I went four teams. I went from uh, Winnipeg yeah, I see that, yeah. three, three games, ended up going to Buffalo before the Island. So I was there yeah. for two weeks. Of course, they told me I was going to Buffalo <laughs> to get to the New York Islanders because there was, uh, I was involved in the Pat LaFontaine and Terjean oh, trade. Okay. I, always, I always say it was. I got traded for Pat LaFontaine and they threw Terjean in. But, I, uh, I'd, I'd take you over Pat LaFontaine, but. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's. Why I'm, I'm just a sandpaper that. guy, though. I like my uh, sandpaper. I I load up my NHL 21 with uh, sandpaper guys. So I got you. It makes sense. But uh, and, and and saying it was Buffalo, I I didn't care what city I was in. I was playing in the NHL, and I often said, I said they could trade me every day. I'm still in the NHL. Um, it it rattles your confidence a little bit. You start doubting yourself. Why am I going to these different teams? But you know, the Islanders said no. We were trying to get you from Buffalo. I go there to Buffalo, to Buffalo for two weeks in, into the other trade that goes to the Islanders. Um, I was just trying to grab my spot in the island. Uh, it was tough. I just didn't feel comfortable. And then uh, Ken Baumgartner had a falling out with uh, Al Arbor at the time. And, uh, yep. you know, so they were looking to get rid of Bomber. And Toronto was looking to get rid of Dan Marois and, and Claude yep. Lozell. And I just happened to be part of the deal that uh, – off to Toronto, I went. I'm, I was fortunate enough to be able to put on the blue and white. Um, you know, exciting times. And, and uh, you know, I always grew up 
you know, following the Leafs, watching the Leafs. I was always a Wayne Gretzky fan, but Toronto was always there, uh, you know, growing up close to it. When when um, the Leafs brought over Cliff Fletcher, um, I, and I've talked to many Leaf alumni about this, and they strongly believe 92-93, they were really building um, to, to go far into the playoffs. 93-94 um, were the biggest Leaf years that I can remember. Um until they got, you know, Curtis Joseph and Matt Sundin yeah. and, and all them players. But um, how how was Tom Watt compared to Pat Burns? Like, we'll get into to more about Pat Burns here in a, in a little bit. Yeah. But um, did Toronto need a change? Like, were you part of that Tom well, Watt I, experience? I, and Well, I and, only got – Tom was there. I got traded at the deadline, so I only okay. had 12 games left with, okay. uh, with Tom. Okay. Um, and then uh, that summer they brought in – know pat burns and okay. just listen to the guys that have been there for a while like dave ellett was a, a good buddy in Winnell and yeah um you know they were missing you know our goaltender this or that and cliff i think listened to them and, and went and got those guys they brought in the, the guys with experience like grant fear and, and glenn anderson and uh some guys that have been there before leadership uh, they mm. wanted to really turn things around and you can see cliff's a hockey guy and, and knows his stuff and won a cup and he knew what he needed to, to bring in and, and one was a, a coach and Pat come in. I think, uh, you know, uh, you may have talked to some other alumni. Some people love Pat. Some people are big fans of Pat. Um, you know, unfortunately he's not with us right now, but uh, I think the fans saw a lot of, you know, the rah, 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 and, and the team did well. So that's what they look at. But as players, it was, you know, difficult for some guys and, uh, you know, you go about your business and, and uh, the team is doing well. So you just got to find your role. And, and uh, hopefully I was in and out of the lineup that year. I think it maybe played 68 games, maybe four or five in the playoffs. But um, the team did well. You can say we were, you know, you were part of it. I know I, you know, you wanted to contribute more. I know I could have, but uh, that was the situation. And, and, you know, you learn and, and take what you, what you learn and, and take it on to the next year. No, hundred percent. I do you have anything? Like I've read, I've read uh, Pat Burns' book multiple times. Um, one thing I took out of that: there's two chapters there near the end. Were you on that Air Ontario flight? That was um, basically how the guys described it as well. Um, the same as in the book. Were you part of that Air Ontario flight? Um, the guys were like holding on to the dear life. The plane was shaking. I don't know if it was during the playoffs. Were you ever, were you were you ever part of that Air Ontario I fight? Remember, I, I it's have. in it's in Pat Burns's book, and in in the yeah. book, the first couple sentences, um, Pat talks about. I don't know if it's the playoffs or they're they're going on a charter, but they're on an Air Ontario flight, and it basically just like. Sitting in your bathtub and the things were like just going back and forth, and the guys are just holding on to their dear life. I'm just wondering if you were part of that flight or not. Well, I'm the... I, don't, I remember the planes because they were prop jobs, and yeah, uh, we were one of the teams that kind of did charter here and there. Yeah. And uh, there was some, I don't know exactly that that moment that maybe it was the next year, but I do remember some, you know, you get in some wind pockets, and uh, all of a sudden you drop a thousand feet oh, wow. without any, um notice or anything so there were there were some bumpy rides over the over the career in different planes i you know i remember one we were out west and i think it was with winnipeg and it just dropped oh wow <laughs> and uh you know and you're you're like 
the drinks hit the ceiling. All of a sudden, you look around and you look over, and the next guy's like, you know, white as a ghost. And all of a sudden, it's settled himself <laughs> out. But you get in those wind pockets, and uh, you think you're going down at the time. But I think everyone's got some story of uh, a very bad flight they've been on. Got any good things to talk? I, I like I mentioned. I've talked. I've talked to Leaf alumni, and they've have said nothing but good things about Pat Burns. You've got a good Pat Burns story. I know. Um, I mentioned one, and one player mentioned that you know he yelled at him and said you're 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 benched, and he got pissed off. He went into the room, took his gear off, and I believe it was Todd Gill talked to him, and everyone on that team, 92, 93, led by example. Like, you know, if Pat Burns said something, a player would go in and say, hey, like, okay, this is okay. Like, I've been yelled at too. And yeah. and I believe it was Todd Gill went in and said, put your gear back on. Pat Burns doesn't, you know, he's could. You know, there's a lot of NHL coaches like that. Look, you know, yeah. John Tortorella, like he's bench, well, he's bench Patrick Line. Line yeah. didn't take his gear off and go into the dressing room, like, so that that just showed how great that team was. Like everyone led by example. There was Gilmore, yeah, Wendell not, Clark, Todd Gill, like Davey Ellett. Um, you go back to my story about different guys leading different yeah. ways. We had so many yeah. leaders on that team. Guys that won yeah. in Calgary. Yeah. Um, we had guys that won other places. Everyone was. There wasn't a lot of young guys in that team. I like was one of the younger guys at 25. And um, there's a couple of new guys like Manderville come in where he was younger guy, but um, most guys were older, had experience. So we had, everyone was kind of finding good characters that uh, I think you need to, to win games. Um, I just remember one story with, with Bernsey. We were, some days we had to go practice somewhere else and, uh, you know, he's always strict, be on time, be on time. Yeah. And yeah. So we had a city bus outside of the gardens and we had to go over to maybe York University to practice. And we were on the bus. Coaches aren't there. Coaches aren't there. And it was time to go. So we left and uh, we left without the coaches, went over to the rink. And uh, I guess Burns, he come out and he sees the bus is gone and he's pissed off because he's not on it. And three coaches we get over there and we're doing our lap skate warming up. All of a sudden he blows the whistle and he gets us into the corner and, and he starts yelling, who the hell told this bus to leave? And we're all like kind of <laughs> shitting our pants wondering, okay, we're all in for it here now. But I remember Dave Ella kind of said he, uh, Burns, he was hollering pissed. His face was red and Dave said, well, I, I did Burns. The time was there. He says, well, you know what? You're right. I wasn't on time. And if you guys are ever late, the bus is moving and everybody starts laughing because it was, he says, that's the way it's was supposed to be. But he was hot under the collar when he came out and saw that the bus was slowly, slowly pulling away. So um, anyway, it was when he hit a short fuse at times. And um, I, this isn't, this is kind of more making fun of uh, just situations that happen on the ice. And I remember we were playing Detroit one time and, and, uh, Dino Cicerelli, I don't know if you remember, I think it was in the playoffs and he was always in front of Felix and helmet was always falling off and he was just putting it on, fall down, get up. Guys would cross check him. Jamie McCown was knocking him over, whoever it was. And then there was a face off over by the player's box and uh, Dino's right there and Burns is just yelling. He's fired up and he's like, hey, Dino, 
why don't you do your helmet up tighter so it doesn't fall off? And he turns around and says to the Burns, well, if I had one of your three chins, maybe it would fit better. <laughs> that's that's actually in Burns' book, uh, one of the oh, chapters oh, there. Yeah, yeah. And we're on the bench listening to that. You're trying not to laugh, but it was pretty funny. And Burns, could, you could just see Burns' face, like, just want to explode and kill him. But um, it was one time I do remember. It was against Burnsy, but uh, there's many funny situations that happened. Just looking down that list, did you believe in Felix Potvin at the time? Like, they, they shipped Grand Fuhrer off to Buffalo, and Gary Lehman's a good friend of mine. They shipped him off to Montreal. Was there guys that you were sad to see go? And when... Well, I... Because you only had... Sorry, Dave. You had you had Darren Pooper, Damien Rhodes, um, Pot, Potts. Did you believe in Potvin when they, when they let... Grant Fuhrer go? Do you believe that maybe they should have kept Fuhrer? Because look, you had you guys weren't everyone was surprised. Like you yeah. shouldn't have beat Detroit. The, look at Detroit. They had Lariana, Fedorov, Eiserman, Shevelday. Like they had an amazing team and you guys shouldn't have beat that team. Yeah. It was right? one of those years and uh, <clears throat> game seven, you never know what can happen. No, nope, you're absolutely right. And Nikki Borcheski tips that shot in and, and away we go and that was the year you know that uh, were you on were you on the bench for that by the way sorry were you on the no, bench I, for a borscht I, I didn't dress for that game I okay dress for game two and maybe three and four i forget okay. game four i can't remember but yeah you're mm. there you're part of it and yep. uh, obviously you want to be on the ice but uh, at that time i wasn't and i remember it very fondly and uh, being in the room and the guys come in and uh, it was a big upset for sure. That was the year yeah. the Islanders upset Pittsburgh. So things yeah. were pretty, pretty wide open after Detroit and Pittsburgh were, were, um, were gone. But getting back to the Felix thing, Grant had gone down for a, a while with a knee injury, I think it oh, was. Okay. And that's where Felix okay. got called up and uh, we had Rick Walmsley as a backup too. And then they brought up Felix and he just, went on a roll, got his confidence and guys started gaining confidence in him. And he was lights out for the whole year playoffs. Uh, he played you know, extremely well. And, and I guess that gave Cliff enough confidence to make the trade, but you forget, yeah, you got rid of Grant Fury, brought in Darren Poopa, but you, we brought in uh, a guy named Dave Anderchuk, who is, uh, you know, wasn't a bad player and, and a great fit for us, scored 50 a couple of times in Toronto and uh, just a real leader and just a, amazing hockey player and another um i played with dave a bit for the two weeks in, in buffalo so i knew him and um you could see what how good he was and um once again not a great skater but man any any puck in the crease within a 20 feet he had the wingspan like 20 feet either side of him he could get his just gets a stick on any puck and and it's in the net and uh, i think that was obviously a big big part of Cliff's decision to obviously to to get a chance to bring uh, Dave to, to Toronto leading up to the LA series and I'll get into what I'll get into a question here you which you've probably been asked a thousand times already and you probably know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna talk about um, how do you guys feel going to that LA series despite you know oh we, we've got to play against uh, a guy by the name of Wayne Gretzky how much gas did you guys have left well, I think it was two game sevens, and now you got to travel back to back. Now you got to play Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, yeah, not a bad player. He's pretty no, good not pretty good the, player. Yeah, with the playoffs, and mm -hmm. uh, 
You know, I, I think we thought of that, but we were pretty confident at the time beating Detroit. I think what really hurt us, um, we had a chance to, you know, I thought we outplayed St. Louis, could have, you know, that's playoffs. So if we could have got it done in five games, you have a bit of chance to rest. Also, also another tough team, Brett Hall. You had yeah, like another that, tough team. That, and you had Cujo too, right? How well, Cujo uh, was the kind of, the, I was just going to get to that, that yeah. uh, ended up stealing you know, a couple of games that ended up making us go to game seven, which then would have given the guys, our guys an opportunity to rest a bit, but we didn't have that. Um, but, you know, playoff time, guys found a way to get the energy. Dougie was down to about a, a 125 pounds at that time and just going on uh, what he had and he was on fire and, and just adrenaline got guys through that, you know, and, and who knows what could happen with Montreal. A lot of if I, you know, we beat them during the regular season, but meant nothing. And, you know, they ended up, luck was on their side, winning 11 overtime games that year. So who knows what that situation could have been. We go into LA, uh, obviously if we could have finished that game six in LA, rested up for about five or six, seven days and got ready for Montreal. But, you know, and then we, the whole situation with the high stick and the carry free, we don't have to go down that road because everyone knows the situation. Wayne comes out and scores the OT, comes into Toronto game seven, says he plays one of his best games of his career. Unfortunate for us, he did. Um, and the rest is history. So exciting times. Uh, LA was a team I think we, you know, could have beat going in there up 3-2 was, uh, was uh, could have been the you know, put put the nail in the coffin, but we didn't. How was how was Maple Leaf Gardens? How was the atmosphere when Dougie put that backhand goal in overtime past Kucho? Uh, how was, was I can't imagine that. Like you know how small Maple Leaf Gardens is. Yeah. How well, was, electrifying was just, that place was after that goal. Well, the whole gardens and uh, the city was going crazy after we beat Detroit, and that was only the first round. You know, oh, so Jesus. the momentum in the city just kept building. Um, I was in and out of the lineup, so I would I would walk around a little bit and just see the craziness. I'd be telling the guys like you should see outside or the street. You're just kind of taking it all in if you're not playing, and uh, mm. um, you could just see the city building and building. And you know, we got by St. Louis, and it was just uh, the city was going crazy. You thought we had won after after St. Louis, and it was just. It was just a great experience and, and you don't really notice till years later that we start doing these events and and over the, the course of the years how people just remember that yeah you know the 92 93 season um you know and then they did it again 93 94 but i think 92 93 was kind of such um was unexpected i guess and and the fans as, as you say people still talk about it um yeah i was fortunate enough to be part of it uh, yeah, you want to be a bigger part, but uh, never, nevertheless, it was exciting and uh, seeing what it was about in the city and how passionate the Leaf fans really are. Because really, you know, Ballard did his thing in the 80s. Like, he talked to Lehman, Wendell, Ally Frady, Sittler, Rick Five. The biggest yeah. thing that, that I've really heard that came out of the 80s and the 70s was Sittler's 10 points and how much... Everyone hated Ballard. But then when you go into the 90s, I was 10 or 11 years old, right? And uh, I talked to Howard Berger. Howard Berger uh, was a huge part of that 
um, work, yeah. work for the Toronto Sun, and he, he's told me countless amount of times how crazy that those years were. And um, yeah, like I mentioned, I was ten or eleven, and that's the one thing that um, even the next year you played Chicago, or you played. You, another great year, ninety three, ninety four. But you you uh, moved on to a different team. But um, I know you talked about the the high stick. Can you just add a little bit of what you think? I like I I will mention um, during one event here in Halifax, I got the honor to drive Ron McLean. So Ron McLean's in the back seat, and I'm like my hands are like shaking. I'm like I've got Ron McLean in the back seat. I've got to ask him something. Like at the first, yeah. my hands are sweaty. I'm driving to the Prince George or whichever hotel from the Halifax International Airport, and my hands are just sweating. And I'm just like, I've got like this. It can't be silent. I've got to ask this gentleman a question. Um, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, "You and Don were at the Great West Forum. Did you talk to a linesman? Did you talk? What can you?" T- Say something about what the hell happened. Like, did Kerry Frazier just like put the blinders on? Because you got to realize, Dave, back then there was blood that came out of Dougie's sure. face. Dougie, Dougie was and uh, yeah, so that and that point and in that years it was a five in the game. So there were so many scenarios, and I've talked to other alumni, and, I, and Ron McLean's message was, "Yeah, I talked to Rod, Ron Schick or Rob." Mr. Schick, That's whatever. Time. I forget. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, yeah, Carrie was blocked. He didn't really see it. But, you know, like, what do you do? Call Gretzky on a five-minute major? What do you... From, what, a, from a linesman would have had to help. Yeah, right? but what's going to happen is you're going to... You probably would have seen the Richard riot in, in L.A. happen just like that. Yeah, it could, it and there were so many different scenarios. Like, what do you do? Kick the greatest player out of the game? Because you think, but you see nowadays, if you're a stick, if you're taking a shot and a follow through and it hits a guy in the face, that's yeah. still that's still a penalty. Yeah. But now it's only four minutes, yeah. so that's a, it's it's so, tough. Like I don't think he would have scored the OT winner, but anyway, it's it's yeah. So many it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, in so many right. different scenarios, Leafs alumni yourself, the linesman, to Kerry Frazier. Right, yeah. uh, Jeff O'Neill. He's everyone knows. Maybe Kerry Frazier made a mistake, but let's just leave it at that. That happened what 20, 20 odd years ago. It's water under the bridge. But um, do you honestly 20, think 28 years ago? It's hard to believe. Yeah. Do, you, do you honestly think Gretzky should have got a penalty though? Like, what was your I, angle? Sure. What was your, what was your angle? Like, hundred percent sure he should have had a penalty. It's it's now, a, now watching the video fifty thousand times, maybe yeah, okay, like, but, but oh, I mean, yeah, it's it's after fact. I wasn't on there. I'm sure one of the linesmen saw it. It's different in today's game. That would have been called no matter what. They have, yeah. they can see it fifty different angles. But yeah. you know, the refs put in a situation. Did he see it? Did he not? Is it Wayne Gretzky? Yeah. The linesman could have went, "Hey, Kerry, yeah, it was a high stick." If that was, they helped each other. If that was Martin McSorley, he would have gotten Bentley. Well, yeah. Not, not to take away from Marty. Marty's actually a really, really great guy. Despite no, what he's, Marty's a, a good friend yeah, too. Really good coach, friend of mine. Uh, yeah. Marty's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but anyone else, probably. But it's, it's a split decision. You have minutes, seconds to make a decision, and that was Gary's decision. And you know, we still had a chance to come home and win it. Unfortunately, that was the call. But we had to forget about it. And then 
the irony, Wayne comes back and has the game of his life the next game, and away we, we're done. So I want, I want to ask, I got a couple of friends who, who do podcasts in on, Ottawa, Ontario. How was your experience in Ottawa? Ottawa's not that bad of a place to play. I know I've talked to a few people, and uh, Laurie Boschman's a friend of mine, and he played in Ottawa. And um, not sure if you got to play with Laurie in Ottawa, but um, even um, Denny Vial, friend of mine, we've we've seen him at different NHL events. Yeah. He lo- he loved his stay in Ottawa. Um, Ron Tugnet. That was a. How was going from Toronto? And going into an expansion team, Ottawa Senators. It was very challenging. I'll say that. Like it was, um, you go in there, but the I did come in and then I ended up playing a lot. Like I ended up playing with Yashin on left wing. Uh, Sylvain Turgeon got hurt. Um, it was expansion written all over it. Uh, we were in the old arena. Our team was not very good. There was guys in and out of the lineup every night. Coming up from, I think it was PEI. Yeah. Um, we, we, uh, there was a lot of, I think we only won 15 games that year. So you can imagine it was a mentally, mentally challenging, I think you could say. And well, they're only going to win 15 or 16 this year too, right? So, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, the expansion time and I, it got me playing again. Um, like I said, I was always happy to play in the NHL and yeah, you always want to be in a winner. I played a lot, a lot of ice time. Um, and the, and the city was slowly, you know, coming around. I didn't play with Laurie. I was there the second year, but I did play with Bosch in Winnipeg, know him well. Um, a lot of guys you, that showed up there, you probably played with them somewhere because it was a lot of cast-offs and uh, mixed in with a few young guys. And um, We had some fun times, but uh, I'd have to give a lot of credit to the coach, Rick Bonus, at the time that kept guys um, he could have, he lost it a couple times, but I'm sure there was many more nights where he could have, you know, just lost his shit on us, but he didn't. It was a, he did well for what he had to work with. I, I give a lot of credit to Bones. You had a, you had a great 20 year career. You, you spent 10 years or so over in Germany and yeah. at, at what point did you think it was over? Like you, it was 2009, well, you finished straight. So when did you think it was over? I always asked older guys uh, as I was going along. I was, you know, when do you know when do you know it's over? And they, they just said you'll know. And uh, so I went over to Europe when I was thirty, expecting to be there a year or two. Hated it my first year. Once I got realizing that I wasn't coming back, um, the opportunity was over there. You kind of put your mind into it, adjust yourself to their culture and and the way the hockey is over there. Um, things were going good. I ended up leading the league in, in scoring when I was 39 and uh, got to our 40. We went to the finals. And then my last year, I um, I ended up having back surgery early in the season, two bad concussions. And I just knew uh, I was done. Um, it was, it took a bit of whacking around and a couple of injuries to realize that, but I was still having fun and, and 39, 40, I was still having a good time. And, and, long as I was producing and playing well then that's kind of your indication and I like going to the rank I like being part of a team and um it's what I knew and I what it's what I love but uh, the last year I was kind of like okay I know I know now I get it just just talk about the current Leafs uh Dave and everyone right now is on Joe Thornton he's 41 or 42 year old gray beard he's got nine points in the last 
X amount of games that he's played with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But you played with so many leaders, Gilmore, Clark, McCowan. The list just goes on and on. A lot of people right now are disappointed in the nine points that Joe Thornton has only gotten in the last year he's been with the Leafs. Does that matter? Like, if Gilmore only got if Gilmore only got eight points, right? But he was such a leader in the room. Like, I strongly believe that's what Thornton's doing. He's a strong leader in the room. Although um, Keith has like put him on the first line, and I don't know if he's been used properly going from the first line. He's been put in a blender. Um, as far as line combinations, but with nine points from Joe Thornton, you strongly believe that he's doing much more in the room or on the bench than he is on the ace. Is that would I be well, correct by saying Joe, that? Joe started well and then he got yeah. hurt, so then yeah. uh, the team does well, and it's not easy getting back in the lineup. Yeah, when the team's winning. I think they respect him more than than yeah. anything, and obviously the management addressed a situation that needed to be addressed. In the summer, they needed more leadership in the room. Yep, hundred um, percent. I yep. know they had um, uh, Marlowe, but I, I don't see him as a, a vocal no. guy in the room. I don't no. know him personally. I'm just by by feel or by looks. But Joe's more of a guy that will come in and maybe ruffle some feathers if they needed to. Whether it was young guys, put them in their spot. And yeah, who's going to tell a Matthews or a Martyr or who or a Ryan Innocent? We got to be better, and this is this is what's going to be done. And and you see. The, we always said we sit up in the box and and as older guys and everyone's played on a team that's that's won or have got close and you know what it takes to to make a team you need a, a variety of guys characters ages experiences and i think the team has done a great job at this trade line trade deadline to go out and address that a guy like Felino, i was over the top as a as a fan now to say oh great they got a guy that's coming in here that's He's a leader. He's a winner. Um, you don't hear one bad thing about him. He's tough as nails. He's probably their second toughest guy now behind. Uh, uh, Wait, does Wayne Simmons? Yeah, is... so behind Simmons for sure. And he brings out leadership. Role they got, they got and, Zach and Hyman. Side. They got Wayne Simmons now. Well, this guy can go up and down your lineup, fit yep. in wherever. I, I, he's going to be a top P -P forward. He's going to add so much depth and character and offense, uh, power play. Good. I think it's it's a great pickup. Hutton's good. They needed the goalie. I think all areas were addressed. Now it's up to the coaches and the guys in the room to, uh, hey, let's – this is this is our year. Let's do it. Let's stay healthy. Who knows what the goalie situation? They addressed it. Leadership's addressed. Talent they have. So as we know, you get into playoffs, you never know. But I think Toronto's got a good chance of coming out of the North. Yeah, and Ben Hutton came at a cheaper price than Josh Manson, and um, yeah, because sure. we gave up everything for Felino. So we'll, I think Anaheim was asking a little bit too much. Um, for Josh Manson and and then Ben Ben Hutton was the uh, was the next choice. I I got to see Ben Hutton um, play for the Nepean Raiders in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. So for people tuning in, like even though you're playing Junior A, you still got a chance to make the NHL. Look at Ben Hutton. Look at look at Justin Williams. You know, won two Stanley Cups. I I've mentioned this on every show. Like just because you play Junior A. Your NHL dream's not over. Like you played, you you played in Junior A, right? There's, a, there's always somebody watching you, so you just no. gotta keep keep the dream alive. And it's, it's no. the attitude goes a no. long way. And different guys' work ethic. Hundred percent. Couple breaks here and there, but 
Um, there's a lot of guys that you see. Uh, I was a long shot. A lot of other guys were long shots that are proven that you can actually get in there with the, I think an attitude goes a long way and, and, uh, and, you know, work ethic's a, a big part of it. And, you know, obviously you need some kind of skill and talent. There's many talented guys out there that were probably more talented than the guys we just mentioned and they didn't make it. So it's uh, why or how that happens. It's, uh, it's part of the game and it was back then. And that's still a part of the game right now. And I mentioned earlier about, like, it's unfortunate. Like, I was going to talk about the 19-year-olds and the 20-year-olds that haven't really gotten a, a fair shake. Um, maybe yeah. in their last year of junior A, they might work harder to get drafted. Or you can make the NHL out of college. But, you know, we'll leave that conversation for another day, Dave. But just, just talk about, we'll talk about the alumni events you've been part of. But how much... I guess what I should say is how awesome was it to be part of the Winter Classic? Like you only played what sixty odd games or so with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but how was that call? Like how how was like how did that all come about? Did the well, Leafs? I, I don't know if you if you remember there was a there was an A and a B team. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> I slid onto the B team. There was so many alumni. Oh when wow! You look at the Red Wings history and the and the Leafs history, and um, uh, you know, not every guy's been playing. I play a lot of hockey, so I think they were trying to balance some things out and. And uh, I was very grateful that happened, you know, even though it was the second team, there was a lot of big names in, on Detroit, Toronto, even on the B team. So it was, it was a great experience. <laughs> we were still all together, just went on the ice at different times. And, uh, you know, the, you understand the hierarchy and, and all that type of stuff, but just to be part of it and the, you know, the, the dinners and, and being around uh, all the guys, we were all together. So it was, uh, it was a great experience and very lucky that I was able to, to be part of that. How is, how is, I look up to Landon McDonald, like, yeah. this, like the sky is not even high enough how, on how much uh, I uh, look up to Landon McDonald, but how was he during that event? Like well, how, well, you know, I, and, you, and don't take away from Rick five too. You got so many alumni, but um, I'm, I'm just a huge Landon fan. Was there any cool Landon McDonald stories? Uh, no, he's, he, I've done many, many events with Lanny. He's very respectful, whether you're a uh, fourth line guy or a hall of famer, he respects everybody the same. And I think that's uh, what I take from him and, and the people he's great, great at the events. He's uh, he's a, a tremendous ambassador of the game. You start meeting many of the guys over the last 10 years since I retired at these events. Um and, and that's what's great. It's a, it's an alumni family. And, and once you're done, you're retired. We're all in the same boat. Um, and that's what is great about it. Whether you played five games, 500, 1500 games, um, everybody gets the respect. And uh, it's, you know, I was fortunate to play 500 games. You know, would you want a thousand? Well, it didn't work out that way, but it's 500 more than a lot of guys. So um, we have a great family. We love doing the events. Um, you get to see and meet different people, tell different stories and, and just, uh, talk about your career, whether, like I said, it's, we all, we all have stories we all have different, uh, things that you can bring to the, to the events and, and mix and mingle and be able to play, play a little hockey and, 
which we love to do. We still love to do and, and get out and, and have some fun, meet different people, get out East, meet the people out East. I love going out there. It's been a great experience every time I'm there. Um, I've never, I was honestly never out East until I started doing the alumni events and it's, it's been a great experience. Just, just talk one question. A friend of mine just sent me a text there. One question. Uh, I hope I don't forget it, but how important is it to have the NHL alumni part of Heart and Stroke? Just, just talk about hockey for the homeless. If you're part of that, um, Heart and Stroke, the Easter Seals, um, Jackson Events puts on some amazing um, events. So, shout out to Andrew Jackson, Bob Clark, um, if they're tuning into this, and you've been part of um, Dale Harachuk's golf tournament. So, how much, how? How important is it for the actual alumni to be present during these events compared to these online things? Like, I know it's all online now because of COVID, but I think it's 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 better if the players are there and, and it gets people out and it, like, wow, like Gilmore. Absolutely. In person, I, yeah. I don't think you can beat that. You can get there yeah. to see the real personalities of yeah. the guys. Um, I think we're very fortunate because we did – play in the NHL and now it's our time we're able to give back talk about our stories get out and mix in and mix and mingle and we're we're normal people and I think you know people start to realize that after they get to know us that yeah we played in the NHL but hey well they're just like us they love, they love hockey they love talking hockey they they still like to play hockey most guys not everybody but um it's just uh, a way that we are able to um give back and that's that's kind of what it's about and share our experiences and try to make the events that much more interesting i think you got a lot of different personalities with different guys and um i think the people really get to see that when they spend time with with different players uh, like i said whether they're whether they're hall of famers or or non-hall of famers or fighters or scorers or checkers whatever i think everybody brings and they're happy to do it. You know, guys love going to the events and meeting people. And and uh, and you see the faces and the charities and some of the kids that are around with Easter Seals and and knowing that you're actually making a difference uh, in their lives. And, and whether it's hockey helps the homeless, um, you know, you're helping people or trying to get people off the street and and being able to raise money. And, and it's all the the campers that go that are putting up the the money and putting it into these charities. We're just being there trying to bring what we can to the table to help out also. Yeah. And it's about, it's about the stories. Like I'll, I'll just provide you a little story here. Um, Marty McSorley. Was I probably a, heard it, but go ahead. Marty, Mc, Marty McSorley was the last guy to go to the airport. So I go to the Westin in Halifax and Marty's Marty's sitting at his table and, um, so I sat down and chatted with him. At no time, I've five or six events I've been with Marty, did it even enter my mind what he did um, on that night versus the Bashir. That never gets brought up. Guys don't guys don't care. That's that's that happened on the ice. That happened on the battlefield. That who cares that's water under the bridge that does, that shouldn't even cross your mind well we don't want this guy on our team because he might whack us with a hockey stick that's that's well, irrelevant he might, he might. Uh, he might <laughs> but you, you probably you probably will deserve it if he does yeah but it won't yeah. be across the head it might be across the shins or something but i sat down with him and man like 
he's just like this gentle giant, and he lives out in California doing his thing, and he got, one year, he got drafted first overall in Heart and Stroke because he had so many great stories. And I, and, I stu- and I stood in the room, and I won't mention the stories because this, this is a PG podcast, but um, him, and, him and Wayne Gretzky just had the time of their life, man. Like, yeah. imagine, you know, getting, yeah. getting well, you know, uh, to hang out with Gretzky. Uh, Dave yeah, Semenko well, also. Um, unfortunately, we lost Dave Semenko, who was part of the Heart and Stroke. But, man, just like, like I mentioned, everyone that tunes into Offside, DMs me and says, "Oh, you got to get Gilmore. You got to get Clark." And uh, like I just mentioned, like um, we were in Moncton, and it was me, Ray Borg, uh, Rick Middleton, Billy Smith, and we we're all standing back, and we're like, "Why is everyone lining up?" Like there was like 400 people in the lineup. Oh, and we looked up. Dougie Gilmore's name was there at a signing table. Um, Ray Borg's like, "Man, this is great. Like, um, we're just we get to hang out. It's quiet. We get to have our drinks and." Um, Ken McCormick, who um, you got to play with at Heart and Stroke. Man, it's just, it's not about these big names. Like, yeah, it'd be great to, to, to have Wendell Clark, but he's been talked about. He's he's doing his thing with Jackson events. Not, you know, not saying, oh, Dave McElwain is, is easier to, um, to get because he's not part of the Jackson events. But I'm just letting viewers know, like, people like yourself, right, they're just they're sometimes forgotten about you played 500 games and and people you know i mentioned it to a few people oh who's dave McElwain? well i i got to meet him a few times at heart and stroke i i could care less if you know who he is i know i know him on a personal level i love what he brings to this to this podcast we're going to have him on the podcast and and it's it's just it's unfortunate because everybody seems like they want yeah, no, big I, names. I appreciate, I appreciate right, so that's that. that's kind of what what OI is about. This is what this is podcast is all about. Like, you know, it's not about getting Lanny McDonald. That would be great, but we've had Todd Warner, we have Jamie McCown. Like yeah. we, I've had Jason Bodon who played forty one NHL games, and next week we got a guy that's played less. I can't tell you who it is. But man, it just—it's about the stories and Martin, sitting there with Marty McSorley. I'm just like, wow! Like this guy is an amazing individual, and you know, he doesn't even come yeah. doesn't even come well, to I mind that he whacked Pashir over the head, right? It's just I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Many, yeah, many of these places and many crazy. of the drafts, and I'm usually a late rounder, but uh, that's kind of the way it goes. Well, there's no nine rounds. We man, we'd be three days before you got drafted. Yeah. Exactly. There, how was that, by the way? Like, were you home or were you actually? At- I, you know what? I, it's a quick story. I didn't go to the draft because okay. I went to the OHL draft and okay. I sat through eight hours and <laughs> wow. got drafted. So I didn't want Jeez. to go to the NHL draft and, and sit through it and not get drafted again. And night's round. They ended up calling me later that day. And I was with friends at the time. So it was probably better celebration that way. But um, no, it was good. And getting back to the. The events and guys like Marty—they uh, add a lot to the to the tournaments and just their character. Everyone's a character guy, um, and uh, everyone just does their part and try to bring what they can and, and hopefully entertain the people and, and tell them some stories that they haven't heard. But just let you know, I know you said Marty was last in the hotel. Marty's last everywhere. 
just to let you know. We are yeah. always waiting for Marty. Just to give you a heads up. Were you were you there, Dave? The, so we we were down in the lot. Were you ever at the Westin? Do you remember the yeah, Westin? Okay. Yeah, a couple years ago. So we're so we're down in the Westin, and we're calling up. Um, I forget the gentleman's name. A friend of mine is in St. John's. Works for the Heart and Stroke. Oh damn, the name is not coming to me right now. But he's calling Marty. No answer. And it's funny because each year, and it's funny that you say that because you walk. Because we get a list. I've enough with Marty tonight. Yep. We, we get a list, and basically it says, okay, um, this guy plays at this time, so you're going to get these two players. It's, uh, the last six events, heart and stroke, I have never driven the guy on the list in the car. It's The guys just come down. Because they're all hung over the night before. They're on Friday night. They're... <laughs> they're, they're, they're Annihilated after the draft, right? Hey, you're giving it. You're giving us a bad rap now. No, I, I, I'm just saying, Dave. I'm just saying how it is. So, <laughs> no, so you're the, right. You're right. That's the way it is. So anyway, we're calling up to Marty, Marty's room, and then we're calling the the lady at the desk, and they call up no answer. To find out, he had a little bit of a slip in the tub. So that weekend, oh, he. I was there. Yeah. yeah. So he. I'm not. I'm not. A very unfortunate circumstance for Marty, but slipped in the bathtub, and so he. But he showed up, and even like I think it was a year later, he showed up. He had crutches. He he said to the event, "Hey, I can't play, but I'm going to be there." Yeah, and no, and that no, just goes to show, him it. Yeah, it just goes to show, Dave. Like a lot of these guys, like you know, unfortunately, we would love to have Dave Semenko back, but he unfortunately he passed away. But um, it's just every year we've got amazing individuals and it's like, yeah, you want one big name, like one year they had Gilmore, um, at yeah, hockey no, for homeless. Need, I think you need that once in a while, but because it's, it's more of a, because of popularity, like, okay, yeah. it's going to draw a certain amount of people, but yeah, yeah. I, getting I, back to, we had <clears> good <throat> funds with fun with Marty knowing that he gets stuck in the tub. Don't worry. We and he had a bad hip. He's got his hips done now. He's yeah. back playing, but he was in rough shape there for a couple of years. But we we had some fun after that episode. That's for sure. No, and they had John Scott. Man, I just, if I could pick twenty players, I yeah. I would have yeah, a I would have a list that nobody would know know who it is and just and because the stories matter, right? It's it's you guys that make us hung over. You try and run with the east east coasters. It's not easy just showing no. up there and trying to no. do your part. No, we uh, we've got some cool establishments in the lower deck and a couple other oh, yeah. places that you guys and we try to visit them all when we're there. That's the hard part. Um, a friend of mine texted me. He wants to ask a question. When you played eighties and nineties, and the, I know two thousand to two thousand nine, you were over in Germany. You were in the NHL, but how was the game when you played compared to how the game is played now? Well, I mean, that's that's obvious. I would have loved to play in the, the air it is now because I was more of a skate, skating player. And uh, I always say the story when we played back then, it was, a, it was a skill and almost an art. If you could get a guy's stick off your ribs going through the neutral zone to try to get in and forecheck because they were skiing behind you. Snow. We actually practiced that, trying to hold guys up going through the neutral <laughs> zone to give our defensemen opportunity to get the puck out. Now, guys, free wheel. There's nothing on you, and and uh, I mean, we could go on and on about. Uh, yeah, the game's different. Every area is different. But I, 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 I do like the way the game is now. Um, some guys don't. 
they could, they could maybe put it, mix a little more old school in with the new school, but, uh, but it's, it's entertaining now. And I think the, the fans love it and it lets the players play. One other, one other question, Dave. So you probably heard the story, the Tim Peel story. He had his mic on and he, um, made that call there and he said, oh, I'm going to make a call on the next play and it's going to be a penalty or whatever. And Theron, when we had Theron on, he's like, "Wow, if they had mics when I played or cameras, like say if they had a say if they had video replay on that Gilmore high stick or Wayne Gretzky high yeah. stick." What's your What's your opinion on the Tim Peel situation? And, and is it safe to say, Dave, that um, if they had mics and cameras back in your day, you guys wouldn't get away with the stuff you guys got away oh, with? I, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was probably more stuff going on. He was just unfortunate. Had the mic on. I'm sure there was a lot of even up calls back in the day. We all know that. We, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to see what went on. But it was yeah. the stuff behind the place, too. Like a play would be going up the ice, and all of a sudden you're leaving the zone, and you're getting a whack in the back of the leg from the mm. defenseman. Or a cross check, all of a sudden he looks up and sees the ref looking the other way, and you're on your back because he didn't see it. Well, now it's two refs they still miss stuff but it's a lot more uh on board with uh guys have to be on their toes a little more respectful to the other players which there's still battles going on which is a big part of hockey but guys don't get away with what they got away with back then that's guaranteed 100 percent we could have you on for another hour. I know I mentioned we, we try to keep it to 45 minutes but um the conversation's just Goes on on how long it however long it uh, goes. But one last question: uh, If Lanny McDonald called called you tomorrow to say, "Hey, Dave, you've made you may uh, your congratulations, you're a hockey hall of famer," which NHL cap would you wear? Well, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> a tough one. There, I people ask me favorite teams. Like, there's so many Pittsburgh. I was drafted, played great memories. Winnipeg, I played played a lot i liked a lot of ice time whatever toronto i grew up watching them but it's it's tough because now being in toronto living around here doing a lot of leaf alumni stuff uh um being involved with the alumni there it's it's kind of throwing at that you know you do with the leaf stuff that's just kind of you know i wish i could have had a four or five years in Toronto, but you didn't, but I was still fortunate enough to, to spend some time in Toronto. So there's many, I, I might have to rotate the hats during that ceremony, to be honest. Yeah. Cause when say Easter seals or heart and stroke yeah. calls you and you show up, it's, it's, Every, they're, you know, they're giving you a Leafs jersey a hundred percent. Every event you go to, unless it's, you know, they, ha- they say you got to wear this Easter seals jersey or Hockey yeah. for the homeless, like the one year you played Heart and Stroke, you wore the the Heart and Stroke jersey. But yeah. more often than not, Dave, you're putting on a Leafs jersey, right? Like it's just. Nor, nor, normally, I've done some with Jackson events where they have, uh, you know, a Winnipeg jersey. They try to mix and match different. Yeah, guys. Winnipeg too. When it, you, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Pittsburgh, not really that much, but it's usually Toronto or, or Winnipeg, whatever. Well, I Canadian that. Canadian team too, right? Like Winnipeg yeah. and Toronto, yeah. two two Canadian teams. So we could throw in Ottawa too, but. But uh, they never seem to make those jerseys. Well, uh, Denny, Denny Vial's got that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I miss Denny. Denny was a great teammate, that's for sure. Yeah, you don't want too many Ottawa Senators jerseys. They usually give that to Denny Vial or uh, yeah, 
Or Chris yeah. Neal. Chris Neal now is part of the uh, the Heart and Stroke cir- Heart and Stroke Circuit. So they put a Sens jersey on him. But, yeah, but my man, uh, yeah, and, and I knew it was going to go over forty five minutes. Just it just I go with the flow, man. I just go yeah. with the flow, it's and it's all good. It's all good. So now you've got a name with the face. So now we'll uh, we'll we'll, 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 ch- we'll chat some more, my friend. Look forward to getting back out East Coast sometime soon, and when this world gets back to some normalcy and uh, we can get playing some hockey again, it'll be great. How can uh, people find you on social media? Are you on Twitter, or uh, I know you're on Instagram, uh, but Twitter, uh... I use uh, Instagram more. It's uh, <laughs> if you look up Dave McElwain, it's on there. Facebook, those types of things. I do. I do have Twitter. I'm not a big tweeter, but uh, Instagram's more my. No, I'll um, I'll tag once the episode drops. I'll tag your uh, social media on the on the uh, post. But Dave, my friend, thank you very much for joining me here on a, another episode of the OI. Thanks for having me. Great chat with you.